Time reports are important for compliance, fair market value, commercial reasonableness, and cost reporting for physician administrative services. And yes, I know, physicians do not work at McDonald's. Captain Integrity Production and the law firm of Nelson Mullins presents Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. Stark Integrity explores the world of the Stark Law and healthcare compliance with our nationally recognized Stark Law, Fraud, and Compliance Attorney, Bob Wade. Bob has a national healthcare legal and compliance practice that focuses on the minions of the Anti-Kickback Statute, False Claims Act, and the Stark Law, including fair market value and commercial reasonableness. Although Bob is a law partner in the national law firm of Nelson Mullins, the views expressed in Stark Integrity are Bob's personal views and not the views of the firm, and they are not intended to be legal advice. Now, without further ado, I give you Captain Integrity, Bob Wade. Welcome to Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. My name is Bob Wade, and I am your host. Today's title of this episode is called TikTok, Time Reports, and Stark Law Compliance. And when I was in-house and especially outside console, I get a lot of questions about time recording for physicians. In this episode, we're going to be talking about why it is necessary, and there's a multitude of reasons why time reporting for physicians is necessary, but why it is necessary so this way you can help explain to physicians that you're requiring to report time as to the rationale for such reporting. But first, let's have a little bit of fun with music. Uh, Time is a frequent topic of music. And so there's a few songs I want to share with you uh, that time was an essential element of the song. So I'll take you back. going to sound like Casey Kasem. But take you back to 1976. So March 12 of 1977, uh, this song reached the number two spot. So in 1976, the song was issued by the Steve Miller Band, and it reached number two on the Billboard in, on March 12, 1977. And it's called Fly Like an Eagle. You probably all remember it. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. So that's 1977. Then forward to 1981, And this is a song by the Alan Parsons Project, if you remember that band. So 1981, this song peaked at number 10, and the title of this song was simply Time. And the lyrics of the first stanza goes like this. Time flowing like a river, time beckoning me, who knows when, we shall meet again if ever. But time keeps flowing like a river to the sea. So those are two songs that made the billboard. And the last song that I'm going to read the stanzas from definitely will not make the billboard. And it's for younger kids about telling time. And it's called the telling time song. So I'll read two stanzas. There are 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, where we can sleep, go to school and play. 24 hours in a day, where we sleep, go to school, and play. 
to keep track of all those minutes, we watch the clock upon the wall. Now, here's two things to keep in mind when you are learning to tell time. The little hands tell the hour of the day, and the big hand counts the minutes away. So now I'm going to turn to the rationale for time record keeping for physicians. And I hear it frequently uh, from physicians that they did not go to, to medical school to keep track of their time. That's what lawyers do. Uh, and that they don't work at McDonald's, help, hence the teaser uh, at the very beginning. Because uh, you typically think that it's more of you know, uh, people who are paid by the hour uh, that have to keep time. And physicians generally do not work by the hour. Uh, they're more quality and outcome-based. So I can definitely empathize with physicians who are listening to this podcast and take that position. But there are generally four reasons why physicians need to keep track of administrative time. So here when I'm talking about administrative time, let me set this in context. This is time for the performance of non-clinical services, usually. I mean, there are, there are times where a organization will pay a physician by the hour for their clinical time. But for the most part, I'm going to be focusing on the record-keeping of time for physicians who are performing administrative non-clinical services. Because uh, frankly, if a physician is performing clinical services and, be, and being reimbursed by applicable payers uh, through their evaluation and management coding, uh, there is usually, and there are, are obviously exceptions like the shared service, uh, but there are usually not time requirements for those services because it's more of the outcome and the level of service that's actually provided to the patients. So the four general reasons for keeping administrative time for a physician is, and I'll go into some detail on these, is number one is cost reports. So for those organizations that are paying physicians for administrative time, there is a cost report requirement. Secondly, commercial reasonableness, making sure that the services that are being compensated are deemed to be commercially reasonable. There's fair market value, and then just compliance generally. Then I'll talk a little bit further in the episode about the process for keeping the time because there's an art form with respect to time recording. So the first area is the Medicare, Medicaid cost reporting requirements for time studies. A time study is used to measure how time is spent over a given period of time on predetermined categories based upon cost reporting. And so there is a general rule uh, found at 42 CFR 415.60 that's called the allocation of physician compensation costs. And basically what it says at, that um, as a general rule, each provider that incurs physician compensation costs must allocate those costs in proportion to the percentage of total time that is spent in furnishing each category of services amongst, and then there's, the, there's some the categories, Physician services to the provider, and that's in section 415.55, and physician services to patients, that's 415.102, and activities of the physician, such as funded research, that are not paid under either Part A or Part B of Medicare. So Part A time 
is considered to be the facility cost for rate setting. So if there are administrative costs that are being incurred by a hospital, by way of example, that has to file a cost report, and administrative time is performed by a physician, then as part of the facility costs, the physician is required, or the cost reporting entity, the hospital is required, to have time allocation for those administrative services performed by the physician. Part B time is generally not considered reimbursable rates for the facility because Part B time is generally billed by the physician directly to the applicable payers. And also research. It's reported under the cost report, but it's reported as non-reimbursable uh, time. So this is the non-reimbursable section. So usually this is filled out in worksheet A82 of the cost report. And there's some general notes that when time studies are not completed, so if a hospital is not tracking time documented by the physician, then the physician compensation costs are considered non-allowable. It will not be included in the reimbursable cost data for the prospective rate setting, and that's under the cost report. So that means that those administrative costs cannot go onto the cost report. But if a physician is performing administrative services and if time is being recorded, then such time can be reported on worksheet A82. And to ensure compliance with time study requirements, providers like hospitals uh, should obtain written documentation of some sort, electronically or on paper, of the time. And typically, most of the Medicare contractors require that there is time studies two weeks out of a quarter. So out of a quarter, two weeks have to be recorded by the physician. And then what happens with, if you're only going to do a two-week snapshot, then they will extrapolate that time over the entire quarter. So by way of example, if you underreport the actual amount of time that a physician is generally spending in that quarter by taking just a two-week snapshot, then that will underreport when that time is extrapolated. So that's the reason why hospitals are usually encouraged to record time uh, you know, for every single day that a physician is spending the administrative time. So I, I've said enough about the cost report. So a lot of times physicians say, well, tell me in the law where time studies are required. And really the only place that they are absolutely required is if the physician is a cost reporting entity or is being employed or engaged by a cost reporting entity like a hospital, then there is a legal requirement for that hospital to have time studies. But outside of cost reports, there is nothing in the Stark Law or the Anti-Kickback Statute, False Claims Act, Civil Monetary Penalties that requires time reports. However, just like with medical record documentation for a, a patient encounter, if you do not have it recorded, it's kind of difficult or challenging uh, to go in and to try to justify that time. Now, I'll take you back about 15 years ago uh, when the orthopedic device manufacturer industry got hit uh, through a Quitam case. And in that case, there was sort of, and I'll put in air quotes, an industry standard that, that physicians who were consultants to these orthopedic device manufacturers paid a $25,000 consulting stipend. 
And the government said, well, that's fine, but I want to have hours to back up that time. So lawyers were frantically going through records, like minutes of meetings, presentations, travel vouchers, et cetera, trying to, to justify time that a physician was spending to justify that, that $25,000 stipend. <clears throat> the next area to talk about is commercial reasonableness. Time studies help document the commercial reasonableness of the administrative services being provided by the physician. Uh, and I'll give you one example, uh, and this is actually a true example, that a hospital engaged a physician to be a medical director. And the physician was turning in time studies. And as part of the time documentation, the physician was putting in the time record that the, that the physician was evaluating uh, the current trends in the specialty. Well, when they got behind those numbers, uh, a lot of the time that was being documented by the physician was when the physician was on a treadmill exercising and reading medical journals. And there's no requirement in the medical record or the contract that the physician actually read journals and that was a compensated service. So there's, there's definitely that things that you do want to do to make sure that the services are commercially reasonable. You want to make sure the physician's not attending too many meetings, attending meetings that are not necessary, or that the physician is truly there as a medical director, if this is a medical director compensated service. Yeah, so if the physician attends a general medical staff meeting, is that physician attending that meeting as a medical staff member, which should not be compensated by the hospital? Or if the physician is truly attending the meeting as the medical director, because the medical director needs to be there to uh, attend the meeting or to make a report, then that is a compensated type of service. So th things that are generally commercially reasonable are like the review and drafting of policies and procedures, medical record reviews, strategic planning for the hospital, quality oversight, meeting accreditation standards, department meetings, training and education, not only for the staff, uh, but also for other physicians and possibly the community, providing financial oversight with respect to the operation of the department and budgeting, and also the oversight and review of purchases, like purchases uh, through device manufacturers or pharmaceutical companies, uh, community outreach, uh, or also uh, board meetings. So those are all general categories of what could deemed to be commercially reasonable administrative services. So outside of that context, uh, that becomes a compliance issue as to whether or not those services are deemed to be commercially reasonable. The next and very important category is fair market value. And fair market value uh, should be determined, as I've talked previously on Stark Integrity, that uh, fair market value should be looked at from an hourly basis, uh, looking at uh, starting with benchmark data, uh, but also looking at market-specific, physician-specific, role-specific issues to determine what is a fair market value hourly rate. And so you know, once you determine an hourly rate, then the compensation could be paid either by the hour worked and documented in the time records or be based upon a monthly stipend. 
And so like with a monthly stipend, you usually would justify the monthly stipend by estimating the number of hours that a physician is working. And then you will uh, kind of you know, back into that number to determine fair market value. So using an example, let's assume that the organization wanted to pay a physician an annual $25,000 stipend. And we believed that the fair market value hourly rate for these services is $200. So the number of hours the physician would need to work in order to justify that annual stipend would be 125 hours. So you take the $25,000, divide that by $200 fair market value hourly rate is $125. And then you would divide that 125 hours by 12 months, and that comes up with 10.417. So that would mean the physician would have to work on average about 10.5 hours each month. So in that context, it would be important to receive the time study to ensure that the physician is actually working approximately 10.5 hours per month. Then the last major category for the rationale for time studies is compliance generally. Uh, by having time studies, the time studies help support the compensation paid and to ensure that the services are actually performed by the physician in order to justify compliance with fair market value and commercially reasonable, which are both standards under the Stark Law and also the anti-kickback statute. So under the anti-kickback statute, either the physician will be a W-2 employee, so the employee safe harbor, or the personal services and management contract safe harbor. Under the anti-kickback statute, it's either the bona fide employment exception if the physician is a W-2 employee, or if the physician's a 1099 independent contractor, it would fall under the personal services arrangement exception or the fair market value exception. And again, all of those exceptions, um, with a caveat of the employment safe harbor under, under the anti-kickback statute, require that the compensation be at fair market value and commercial reasonableness. And it's the time studies that will help support the defense that the compensation was actually fair market value and commercially reasonable. So the question I frequently get is, okay, I understand time studies are necessary, but uh, tell me what actually needs to be documented. Well, if you go to one of my podcast episodes on June the 7th, I interviewed Gail Peace with Ludi Inc. And there we talked about there are some versions of electronic tracking a physician work effort. And so there are definitely companies like Ludi Inc. that do provide that type of tracking. And uh, it's a useful tool that a physician can enter their time either on the computer or through their smartphone. There's also, uh, you can record it, and uh, I think most organizations are using Excel spreadsheets or in paper. So the first question is, okay, who fills it out? Obviously, the best practice is to have the physician themselves fill out the time study, but you could have an administrative or a nursing staff actually fill it out if they know and understand the physician's services that are being rendered, and then the physician can sign uh, the, the time study. And also, another best practice that I try to implement with my clients is that have a signature of an executive that is responsible for the oversight of that administrative service. So that way that you have somebody who is authorizing or stating that they can represent that the services as documented on the time study were actually performed by the physician. And then lastly, 
You talk about the, the detail that is necessary. And here is what I have affectionately referred to as the spectrum of defensibility. And that is uh, how defensible do you want your time studies to be? Well, as a lawyer, whenever I bill clients, I am very detailed in my, uh, my time entries. I always uh, answer the question, uh, what did I do? Who did I do it for at, or at whose request? And what was I actually uh, working on? Like, was, was I working on a letter or a memo or training, et cetera? And so yeah, I have seen sometimes studies where it's that level of detail. But then, I mean, obviously, that's the most defensible. And then you can back off of that a little bit and go to a physician or a physician's surrogate, uh, like I said, like a nurse or administrative staff, that will fill out the documentation by day. Or also you could have a pre-printed form. Now here I'm stepping back a little bit further from this spectrum of defensibility. A pre-printed form that lists all of the administrative services. The only thing the physician or the administrative staff would have to fill in is the actual time for each of the tasks by day or step back a little bit further from defensibility by week or step back a little further from defensibility by month. And so you can see that you can have a time study that's a daily time study a weekly time study, so they only aggregate their time by the week or uh, by the month. But So doing it by the month is better than none. Um, and lastly, and I have worked with clients on this one before, is what I would call a monthly attestation. So again, on the, 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 the uh, spectrum of defensibility, this is at the lowest end of the spectrum, where simply the physician will attest that at, during this month, I worked a minimum of 10.5 hours or whatever the hours is. So the physician will have to you know, write in the month, you know, August uh, 2022, and then have that 10.5 hours and sign their name. So that's an attestation uh, that uh, a minimum of 10.5 hours. So from the, the spectrum of defensibility goes from the attestation all the way up to a complete uh, detailed analysis, almost like a lawyer, of what type of services were being performed. They're all de- they all can be defensible. It's just the the degree of defensibility. I mean, obviously, if all if all we have is the attestation, then we're relying on the physician's representation on a preprinted form that the physician worked ten point five hours, and then so the whole defense would be around whether or not there was justifiable reliance on that physician's signature on a single page attestation and is that physician reliable with respect to that attestation so this brings us to the three captain integrity punch points for today's episode captain integrity punch point number one is that time studies are required for cost report purposes if those costs are going to be part of the administrative costs of the hospital for part a then there is a mandated time study and the minimum is that you need to have time studies at least for two weeks out of every quarter captain integrity punch point number two is time studies are necessary in order to meet commercial reasonableness standards. Are the services actually justifiable services to be compensated at a physician level, as well as fair market value in order to comply with the requirements under the Stark Law and the anti-kickback statute? And lastly, Captain Integrity punch point number three 
is the spectrum of defensibility that uh, you can defend a, a monthly attestation where a physician simply signs their name and it's pre-printed the number of hours that the physician worked during the month, but that is, that's at the low end of defensibility, but it's preferred as a best practice that you would have more vibrant detail regarding the task performed by the physician during that month. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. If you have any questions regarding this episode, the Stark Law, or healthcare compliance, you can contact me at bobwadecaptainintegrity at gmail.com or my law firm email address at bob.wade at nelsonmullins.com. You can review this and any other episode of Stark Integrity at the Captain Integrity website at captainintegrity.com. You can also follow me on LinkedIn under Bob Wade. I hope the three Captain Integrity punch points will help you with the Stark Law and compliance. In closing, remember that integrity depends on you and me.